My name's uh, Shane Oley, I'm the race director of the Cape Breath Ultra. And I'm Anthony, and you're listening to Runners on Trail, the trail running podcast by Midpack Runners. For Midpack Runners. And this is the Cape Roth Ultra. I am so excited, I cannot tell you how excited I am about this. It's going to be amazing. Runners on Trail. So welcome to Runners on Trail, episode 31. And this episode is the first in a series we're going to be putting out about the Cape Wrath Ultra, which you just completed. Look at my medal. It's awesome. <laughs> it's very heavy. <laughs> it's very, very heavy. So and what we're planning on doing then is doing a series of episodes covering each day and maybe focusing on different aspects for each day yeah absolutely and first of all thanks to shane Oley, the race director for doing the intro with me he runs aurea events who run other amazing events around the uk other than the cape roth ultra there's the dragon's back which a lot of people have heard of glencoe skyline yeah. another very gnarly and famous race and they've just added two more events the morris stalker and the lock bar both as part of the Skyline series, as part of the Spartan Trail World Championships. So you should definitely check out those events because as you'll gather as we go through the episode, these guys really know how to run a race. Yeah. Really, really do. And Well, it's top tier stuff, isn't it? Ah, uh, absolutely. And, you know, and if you're going to go and line up for the Spartan Trail World Championships, you're going to get world-class runners. I was thinking about this. It would be like when we stood on the start line at Transylvania yeah. and just in front of you, you've got proper world cast runners who you only read about and see in videos yeah and you can literally reach out and touch them although you shouldn't do that because that would be probably a little bit inappropriate (laughs) so check out aria's other races um especially the skyline races they've just started they said those two the the stalker and Lockbar, and i think it would be a really cool thing you know if you do those races and they're in the first editions of them i think in years to come people you'll be able to say i did the first edition of that and they'll be world famous that's always good and people will be queuing up to get in them so get in early while you can i reckon so this one being the first one's going to be focusing on day one yep and and i guess a bit of the kind of the whole registration start kind of process and things and and then getting into the kind of a race which is an eight-day adventure yeah and i think that that's a really good point to make before we talk about it being a running race you'll there are other people who've put out really good content on this paul manson on his channel the random runner david barry on his channel film my trail run where do you think you got that from (laughs) close (laughs) those are youtube channels and then a guy called anthony stevens uh who blogs on a blog called oldies ultras did a piece called to the lighthouse 2022 cape roth ultra and in that he talked about how it's not as much a running race as an adventure yeah uh and i think for us especially during this year it was very much like that Mm -hmm. an adventure i'd come across the race just from random surfing on youtube it looked amazing the brochure looks amazing loads of amazing pictures of people running in the sun lovely beaches (laughs) and up and down hills these mountains yeah look at these photographs yeah Yeah. it was this um, could be you yes exactly it's it's like that join here (laughs) (laughs) and so i signed up for it it's not a cheap race yeah but it doesn't mean it's not great value so how much was it? Uh, £1,800, I think. Okay. But I think there's a bit here about value. Yeah. You know, they are probably not making a lot of profit on this. If you consider there are 270 runners, mm-hmm. but there are 120, 130 support staff. Yeah. 60 vans. 
all the tentage, everything yeah. else, you know, and all the meals and everything else, and all the safety that goes with it. I think you have to look at it as what you're going to get for your money. Well, this is very much in the wilds of the UK, up on the west coast of Scotland, where yeah. there's not much natural support, is it? So, so not much accommodation and the rest of it and stuff. So, they do have to ship that in. It's a bit like, I guess, almost um, the Marathon de Sable type. I think so. Kind of level of effort that they've got to go to to support it. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And I think you need to see it in that vein when you're looking at the money. I you know when I looked at it, I went, it's a lot of money. And then as I was running it, I was thinking, do you know what? This, this is good value. Yeah, I'm getting good of... value from this. Yeah. Despite the fact they weren't driving me anywhere, I was having to run. <laughs> um, but, uh, but it's still good value, I think, for that. So, yeah, uh, I won't go through all, the, all of the kit. I'll try and put that in the description for the podcast. And the same for links to those guys' videos and blogs that we've, I just mentioned. But I flew up to Scotland. And I think there's one of the first things I talk about is that there's the inherent risk when you're flying somewhere your bag doesn't go with you yeah and there were at least two people flew to this race whose bags went missing oh. one of whom was in my tent <laughs> so i know it's not just a myth or an urban legend you're now it's... sharing toothpaste with them and stuff well so they landed on the thursday ready for the saturday race luckily i landed on the friday they'd given me all their details and i went to lost luggage and their bag had arrived and i managed to retrieve their bag for them but there was someone who hadn't and we everyone was literally pulling kit together for them wow. yeah so in hindsight whilst i flew and it was okay a lot of people got the sleeper train from london yeah which again looks expensive until you remember that you don't have to pay for a night's accommodation in yeah, Fort william yeah, yeah. and i booked my accommodation the day the hotel rooms were released in fort william in the premier inn and mm. i still paid a hundred pounds a night yeah a year in advance wow so if you're paying 200 pound for a train ticket with a hotel room booked into it yes actually that's not that bad of value yeah yeah and you know you're going to arrive with your bag because you haven't let go of it the entire time and that goes all the sleeper goes all the way up no it doesn't go up to fort william oh yeah get, oh, oh no it does. it does oh yeah oh wow yeah from euston all the way to fort william that's not a bad idea actually. so, so that's the top tip number one yeah i that would be my recommendation to people if you can if you're around that london area yeah, to, yeah. to take that clearly if you live in the north of england or scotland you've got a much easier journey anyway yeah. but for people like us who live in the south I flew from Bristol. I think I would rather have taken the train to London and then gone up. In yeah. hindsight. Yeah. So, register on the Saturday, which you have to do. Yeah. And they check all of your hill kit, all the kit you're going to carry when you're running, and that you've got the proper official dry bag. And then on the Sunday, you turn up and off you go to start the race. And you have to walk from where you register all the way down to the boat which is about a mile and a half two miles because this is this is because fort williams at the the well at the, the bend in a in a, a bottom of well it's the bottom of loch ness isn't it loch linney oh look okay yeah loch linney okay and therefore you've got to get across across that river to get to the start correct so yeah fort williams on one side with ben nevis etc yeah and the other side and you the start the other side of the water yeah. yeah yeah okay and off we went and we got there and there's a man there with bagpipes yeah and shane Started the race, and off we went. Nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Here we go, then, people. Best of luck.
and we're off. Day one of eight, minute one of hopefully somewhere between 70 and 75 hours of running over the next week. And there's only a light drizzle, which is nice. So the first day is about 23 miles and that in kilometres is officially 37 kilometres. Although for me, it only came out as 33 and a half in the end on my GPS. Well, okay. the reason for that is the distances they give you are what they call real world distances. So yeah, they've yeah. tried to work out because when you do a GPX file, it yeah, cuts yeah. corners and stuff. So well, yeah, depending on how many dots you get and how well they're spaced out yeah you correct all you're ever going to do is lose distance so they estimate how long it'll actually be and it's mm-hmm. never quite exactly that some days it was miles shorter than i thought it was going to be some days yeah. it was really close and that first day is deceptively easy i think if you did that day and thought this is how it's going to be you're mm-hmm. in for a bit of a shock the first 10k is on road it's really easy yeah and then you hit nice wide we call fire track sort of double track four by four track and you carry on on that for a total of 24k so the 10k yeah. to the track another 14k yeah until you see the first climb that you get to go up so i'm 24k into the 37k of day one of the cape roth ultra it's been really easy going to be fair rain's been a bit of a pain on and off but other than that the trail's really easy to follow and uh, loads of runners coming past because I started in wave one and there were two other waves. All I've done is hike since 11k with a couple of jogs of very small downhills just for fun. Got the climb that there is on this stage just coming up and I can see people working their way up the side of the ridge that's right in front of me. Be good to get that done. And hey, I've got decent legs because I've been walking so... I should be all right. Time-wise, it's all looking good. At the moment, my average speed is 7.3 kilometers per hour, and that's overall. I ran the first 11K in about nine and a half uh, kilometers an hour, so it's been steadily coming down as I'm walking. But it should average out, hopefully, at around six kilometers an hour for the day, which is all that I need to get me into camp for about five o'clock. Scenery's stunning, and uh, by all accounts, it just gets better and better as the race goes on, so going to be amazing so i started up the climb yeah and it then became apparent how much it had rained in the past few weeks oh right because you remember when we went to the lake district yeah, and yeah. we did the bog rain round recce yeah. and all the paths we were going to walk on yeah which wasn't streams. much of a recce to be fair no it we wasn't winded and wetted off the fells but yeah but it was like that yeah well <laughs> you know how all the paths were streams yeah that's exactly what it was like okay so you're walking up the path and it's just a, a a small torrent running past your feet. Yeah. So my feet were dry for the first 24k of yeah. the Cape Roth Ultra, and they weren't then dry for the next seven days. Oh, right. Literally, that's yeah. what it was like. Did you have waterproof socks on? I did not. I totally accepted that my feet were going to get wet, yeah. wore dry max socks and a really well-draining shoe. Yeah, yeah. You and either take one strategy or the other, don't you? you yeah. You, 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 yeah. And it? I had really no yeah. feet problems in terms of blisters and rubbing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I had no real problems in the whole week. Yeah, so, Climax are pretty pretty good at getting it away from your feet. Yeah. Water once they've got the waterlogged. So you do this climb, 250 metres inverted, yeah. not a lot at all, and then run down the other side and it's a bit muddy and you're going through a few streams and you're thinking, oh, this is this is a bit bleh, but it's okay. Yeah. But it really that bit really starts to set the tone for what you're going to experience for the rest of the week, mm. which was, yeah, very wet, 
very yeah. muddy. Something I've never really experienced before to that degree, mm-hmm. with being like it all the time. And uh, after however long it was, I got to the finish by the Glen Finnan Viaduct, which is the viaduct you see in the Harry Potter films with the it's train that coming one. across. Uh, right. And that's your first then experience of the camp. So my strategy really had been for that day to walk yeah. as as much of it as I, for the whole day, basically. My whole intention for that was I knew I'd have to run days two and three yeah. to do what I wanted to do in terms of having a good life balance between running and getting into camp and sorting my stuff out. Oh, I see, yeah, and yeah. And so I wanted to preserve my legs. So yeah. I ended that day really far down the field. But yeah. that kind of didn't bother me. And for the first time ever, almost... And I know you'll be sceptical about this. I really, really, really wasn't that bothered about the time. <laughs> Do I, I believe? Well, <laughs> uh, and we can talk about... Uh, when, when very I, unlike you. We can talk about when that, I thought about the time yeah, yeah. later. But So I'd estimated it would take me between 70 and 75 hours to do the whole race. We'll yeah. talk about how I did compared to that at the end. But that was all based on how fast I thought I needed to run each day to get into camp at a sensible time to get yes. my admin done and go to bed. It was not in any way based on me trying to finish in a certain time. If yeah, that yeah, makes yeah, sense. yeah. So, so this was all about, because uh, we, we, we had done, you know, had various discussions about this beforehand and it was all about their strategy, wasn't it? Having enough time in camp to look after yourself, do your admin, get the sleep, get your food uh, and get up. And if you roll into camp late, then all of a sudden, what, what, the penalty you pay is not enough sleep and yeah. that can add up and add up so yep. there's this strategic decision about how are you going to do it are you going to push the pace or are you going to back off the pace and, and save your legs a bit and yeah and that was that was the that's where that 70 to 75 hours came from yes absolutely and ultimately plan kind of went out the window and we'll talk about why and how that happened i guess in episode two Runners on Trail. 